Hey, stranger! The Opus is moving out and into a new season as we continue to explore the ongoing legacy of music's most iconic records. I'm your host, Adam Unz, and this season we're celebrating the 45th anniversary of Billy Joel's fifth studio album, The Stranger, a record whose critical and commercial success catapulted the piano man to superstardom. Helping us explore this classic collection are artists like Billy Joel's drummer Liberty DeVito, Regina Spector, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, Rozzy, Lissy, The Arkells, Bayside's Anthony Renari, and Ben Folds. Great music shapes lives, shakes rafters, and embeds itself into our culture. So let's find out why only the good die young as we deep dive into The Stranger. The new season is out now and is brought to you by the Consequence Podcast Network and Sony Legacy Recordings. Find us at consequence.net or wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to the Spark Parade, a show where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, have I got a good one for you today. So, so, so good. Uh, I'm joined by Grammy-nominated singer and Broadway star Michael Kilgore who spoke to me about his spark, the Logo TV series, Noah's Ark. Uh, Michael is warm and funny and smart and just an all-around joy to chat with. You are going to love this one. So, here it comes. Quick Michael facts. Michael Kilgore is a Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and Broadway performer. Originally from Florida, Michael moved to New York to pursue a Broadway career at the urging of his mentor, Billy Porter. His Broadway credits include Motown the Musical, The Book of Mormon, and Hair. He has also appeared in The Wiz Live and Jesus Christ Superstar Live on NBC. Michael's latest single, The Man in the Barbershop, is his first since the release of his album A Man Born Black, which featured the Grammy-nominated song Let Me Go. Quick Noah's Ark facts. Noah's Ark was a television comedy drama series that aired for two seasons on the Logo Network from October 2005 to October 2006. The show centered on the lives of four black gay friends who share personal and professional experiences while living in Los Angeles. Noah's Ark was the first scripted television series to center on a group of black gay men. As of 2021, it still holds that distinction. And there you have it. Now prepare to be dazzled and delighted. Here comes my chat with Michael Kilgore about Noah's Ark. 
So the first question is always, uh, do you remember hearing about Noah's Ark for the first time or uh, becoming aware of it? Um, I remember that Logo was this new network and it was all gay. And I was really excited about that. Um, and I think the first thing, the, the first big draw was Noah's Ark. So I was like, let me give this show with that gives like Sex in the City, Golden Girls, but like black gay men a shot. Mm-hmm. And the first episode, I was hooked. I literally own the DVDs of the whole series because I loved it that much. And then, um, but back to the beginning, just how it all started. I just watched the first episode, my best friend and I would sit in his house in Nashville, Tennessee, and we would watch every week the episodes and like watch them, pause them on the DVR, have conversations in the middle of them. Like it was such an important, important series for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think just starting with logo in general, this idea of having a network that is completely focused on queer stories and queer content, um, felt like such a radical thing in the first place or like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, something that was this amazing, wonderful thing for all queer people to just have this, like, you know, a place where, you know, everything is going to be, you know, queer interest of, of some kind. And even if it's not your thing, it's like, uh, the TV equivalent of walking into a gay bar where it's like, you can breathe, you can just feel totally relaxed, totally comfortable. There's no bullshit. Like there is in the outside world. It's just a space for you and people like you. Um, which I think is, you know, you, you can't uh, underestimate the power of, of that kind of stuff happening, especially at the time when there was so little queer content on um, mainstream TV. Oh God, there was so little queer content. And then the extra layer for me is a lot of times when I'm in queer spaces, it is almost synonymous with white spaces mm-hmm. and being a queer person of color and specifically a black gay man, um, it was so exciting Mm. to watch something where the shorthand of my queerness and the shorthand in my blackness was being used simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And I really felt like it was a show that wasn't exploring this experience for audiences outside of the community to understand us. It was for those of us in that specific community it wasn't explaining things that we already knew. It was just allowing us to experience um, a mirror of the culture instead of like, as we go into the wild, we see the black gay man and his natural appetite. What is he doing? You know, right. it wasn't, there was none of that in there. It, it felt um, really respectful. Um, and, and, a, and as I look back on it now, like an incredibly well put together time capsule Mm. (laughs) of that era of you know black queerness in america Mm -hmm. and i i think um adding uh another dimension onto that as well is a show about black gay men 
created by black gay men so that it's not like some white had a um het uh studio executive right, saying right. let's try this out and see how this right. plays you know um, i'm i was saying to someone recently i was like i i don't want to be i don't want to be um experienced as a figment of like the white imagination or the straight imagination or you know like i want people to experience me in a real honest way and not that there are people who don't care enough, you know, like I think Steven Spielberg is one of my favorite examples. Like he directed The Color Purple and I think it was so respectful and incredible and artful. Um, but it takes that level of care and focus and attention, um, skill <laughs> to make something work when you are outside of the community looking in. You know, you have to really care immensely um, and even even if you're a black person, I don't really want you creating stuff about black people if you don't really like us. Mm. You got to really like us to like spend the time to create stuff about me. Don't don't create the story, and you're trying to make it all right. Your own like preconceived notions about who I am, what I am, what I do. You know, only I, I only want the people who like actually give. Well, I almost cussed. Um, who actually give a care. Bring it. I, I, I try to be respectful on other people's podcasts. I mean, th- <laughs> this is a, a space for all of the swear yes. words you can ever muster. Yes, but so. like it's like you have to give a shit. You mm-hmm. really do have to give a shit if you're going to be creating stuff for other people. And um, and and now it's becoming a a thing that I I think whenever I'm writing or, or doing anything, I'm just like, if I don't really care enough about women, then I need to check that before I start writing a woman into this idea that I'm doing. Or, or if I don't care enough about the Latinx community or or Native folks or whatever, like I'm not going to throw them in a set dressing or, you know, as the paprika on top of the potato salad. Like if you're not going to be a flavor in the dish, like you don't need to, then I don't need to be putting it in there and I need to figure out what's wrong with me that I don't see the world as the world actually is, which is full of all different kinds of people, which was another reason why I really enjoyed Noah's Ark. I felt like I got the different shades of what it is to be a black queer person. Right. I really love that shit. I really do. Yeah. Um, But also just uh, following on from what you were saying, I think having empathy, being able to, create art that includes people outside of your experience is you know necessary if you're going to do that um you know you need to be able to have the care and attention and uh, right, the, right, right. the uh, ability to you know reach out to people in whatever community you're portraying and make sure that you're getting it right you know be be in a constant dialogue trying to um, be as respectful and, and careful about the way that you do it as, as possible. But also with somebody like Steven Spielberg, who has and had and still has all the power in the world and can do whatever he wants, um, you know, it, it's a testament to him that he had all these resources and used them to create something that was, you know, a, a great adaptation of that book and, um, you know, had tremendous acting and casting and all of those things. But all of that said, I I don't think, especially in the world as it is now, that it can just be that there needs to be room for 
black people to tell black stories. Absolutely. For black queer people to tell black queer stories. Queer stories, yeah. And the thing that was so revolutionary about Noah's Ark is that it was the first time that that had happened. And basically, it's the only time. Basically, Um, it is the only time, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that is a huge thing that has is starting to happen a bit and really needs to happen a lot more um is as you said not just casting black people other people of color queer people whatever marginalized community we're talking about as token you know filling some kind of diversity quotient but treating people as real people and telling their stories in a way that's true to their experience and doesn't continue to marginalize them in the stories absolutely, that you're telling. Absolutely. Absolutely. I fully concur. I fully concur. There's like a, the audience at home is like snapping. They're, they're applauding. <laughs> There's a confetti going off. Like, cause everyone's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I, I mean the, about Noah's Ark as well is having, um, being this historic moment where this uh, thing that has never happened before is happening, but not saying we have this enormous responsibility and this is going to be a hard hitting look at the gritty realism of black gay men's lives. It's like, (laughs) it's fun. It's people hanging out with their friends. They do talk about serious stuff too, but it's like primarily, I wouldn't say quite a sitcom, but it's like, uh, you know, uh, there's lightness and it's like a group of friends who love each other and have their ups and downs. But just like any other, um, you know, TV show, it's entertaining. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I really think that it is most like uh, sex in the city mm-hmm. in the sense that it is about like the, um, the connective tissue in this relate in these relationships. Um, and that, you know, the men you date may come and they may go other things come and go, but like your friendships are the, you know, the benchmark relationships in like your adult life. And that if you, I mean, if you have one, what a blessing, but like to have like a group where you all can bring your yourself to the group and know that the truth of who you are and your experience will be loved on and supported and that they'll love you enough to disagree with you. Sometimes they'll love you enough to, to challenge you sometimes. I mean, it was this, this group group circle was like a, a dream. It was like my Holy grail of friendship. I wanted, you know, I wanted my, to have a chance and I wanted to have a Noah and I wanted to have a you know, Alex and, you know, I wanted us to be represented in like my, my friend circles that way. And I, I think that that was, one of the mastery moments of mastery in the in that show is that I felt like I was watching um, fully three dimensional people. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't just watching the goofy one or <laughs> right. the sexy one. And even when you know they tend to lean in that direction, you always got moments of humanity mm-hmm. out of them that was more than just you know. That was a big thing in my personal life where I'm like, I hate the word sexuality being used to describe like my, you know, my sexuality. (laughs) (laughs) I, it's more than just sex. Right. I mean, before sex was even in the mix, like I knew that I had the same gender attraction. You know, I knew that, that I was not going to shake that. 
and it was going to be a part of my life. And I don't, and I don't remember making a decision. I don't feel like it was a decision to be made. I just remember growing into the knowledge of who I actually was. And in the show, I didn't think they used sex as like a crutch. Mm-hmm. Sex was a little bit like the bait to get people into a conversation that was more about like, who are you when the lights come back on? Mm-hmm. Like, what is, what do you want when it's more, when you take out the fact of like, okay, whose body looks like what and how long is this and how thick is that? And how, you know, what do you, what do you want? Like, what do you want out of your life? Like, and it was so cool to see like, you know, a writer and someone who worked in health and, um someone who was a teacher and you know these people had like real lives um and in their real lives they were dealing with things that felt real and not super superfluous but they weren't dealing with them as if it was doomsday stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) they were like living their lives and giving young queer people specifically this hope that as we grow up the whole idea of it gets better really is like it it really does Mm -hmm. like the onus of queerness was not on them the whole show it wasn't like oh god how do i deal and even though we had one character who was coming out in his way Mm -hmm. there was a whole bunch of people who were understanding trying to help supporting in that and also like living their truth in such a way that was like there is an example of how to do this without feeling beat up by you know the the culture's ideas on who and what a man should or should not be right um so i think i gave a very convoluted answer (laughs) but um but like i i just think that there is this show is so much more than meets the eye and 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 it's it's going to be one of those um i think it's going to be one of those series that as people look back on it it's going to be like a, a rose that just keeps on like blooming and blooming and blooming and blooming. And right. they're going to go, wow, there's still so much more beauty to like mine from this that on the first and second and third and fourth viewing, I didn't see. Right. And, you know, going back to this idea of having black queer people in charge of controlling the narrative in a show about black queer people that compared to a lot of, uh, queer programming at that time and before it was either Will and Grace, which is you know basically takes all of the sex out of queerness, um, yes. or something that's like a very special episode of Blah where we talk about gay stuff, and or 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 you have to remember you have to um you have to talk about queers folk hmm. or queers folk, which to me was like literally a bacchanal, yeah. like. Every episode was like a very serious sexual moment that was, you know, maybe really honest. Like I, I mean, there was some real honesty in there Mm -hmm. too. Um, But it was also like difficult to watch that show and to be like, wow, it's a world without people of color. Yeah. How, how did we, how did we manage that? Right. Um, in the like late nineties, early two thousands. Um, so, you know, I, I, there's like the intersections of being, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a trans person 
a queer a person of color lesbian you know i i just think there you know as a as a man i understand the privileges that come along with that um and it and i think because i speak multiple languages in terms of my blackness and my queerness it has given me a real respect and i'm not sure if it's a fully full understanding even it's just a respect and an and a sympathy if not an empathy for those who have so many more intersections to like have to cross Mm -hmm. um to make things okay to make things safe for them and i i guess that's that's probably why I really wanted to talk about this series is because more than just being entertaining and exciting and sexy and fun and cool, it was probably my first time I watched something and, and I did feel the safety mm-hmm. of there. This is meant to make me feel good. And this is meant to make me feel whole and real. And, and it's not a joke about me. It's mm-hmm. not a, it's not meant to offend me. Um, And if it does challenge me, it is challenging me for a good reason, not for bad. Time for a quick break, because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here. But we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, uh, you know, this on this show, I talk to a lot of people about the importance of representation in art and how um, this is something that is entertaining. But it is more than that because um, it's so important for people to be able to see themselves in the culture, to be able to feel like they're included. And having that feeling, like you said, of safety where you're um, you're able to fully relax into what you're watching Mm -hmm. um, in the way that you would if you were just, you know, amongst friends and sitting around with the people who care about you the most, who you can feel entirely relaxed with. Um, And yeah, it's, it's um, even more important when those uh, moments are so rare Um, and being able to at least have this one show to, uh, you know, latch onto and to feel like there is something out there that represents uh, who you are. And there are people out there that understand your experience and want to share that experience with other people. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So another, another round of applause. The audience is going crazy. <laughs> now that now babies are being thrown. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. That's all I really ask. Exciting now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the other thing, just coming back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, the kind of, uh, 
nonstop, relentless sex in um, queers folk that, you know, having that balance between something like Will and Grace, which is irreverent almost to a fault, and mm-hmm. something like Queers Folk that is uh, – and both of these shows are very white, by the way. But also, oh, yeah, um, yeah. you know, having that balance where people have nuance, where there's, um, you know, definitely people are sexual beings and, and want to uh, have sex and have relationships and also want to have fun and want to – be you know tell jokes with their friends and there's all of this stuff going on because people are really complex but um yeah when you said that uh you know sexuality is more than just sex it's uh, i always find it very weird you know when uh actors get asked in interviews actors who are closeted or you know are being coy about their sexuality or whatever saying it's not important it's just a small part of me it's not who i am and I always find that strange. Um, and I don't know if that's just coming from the perspective of a gay person who has to maybe think about that a lot more than a straight person would. But to me, um, and I, coming back to another thing you said about um, this idea of queer uh, like friends being this community and that all adults – choose their friends and you know in some respects those friends become their another family for them but i think it's there's a different layer for queer people where they're coming from families most of the time where they're raised by straight people they're surrounded by straight people all the time and coming into these uh you know wherever wherever they land cities small communities where there are other queer people and they can surround themselves with people like them make friends and have, uh, you know, this additional chosen family, um, of people who have that same lived experience and really, um, are operating on the same level as they are. And I think this show shows all of that perfectly. And I think that's what Mm -hmm. sets it apart from something like sex in the city is that those relationships are important to those people, but it's not the added dimension of, other shared factors that are things that they're discriminated against for um, and just shared experiences in terms of the way they grew up or the way that they move through the world as an adult, all of those things. Um, so yeah, just, just a very uh, magical. Do I want to say that word? Magical, um, yes. Yeah. But just this, uh, you know, revelatory show that um oh absolutely i I think another reason that makes it so revelatory and you just brought that up is when you are the majority culture when you are the samanthas the carries you know when you are the wills and the graces like you still get to be white Mm -hmm. (laughs) you you still get to be white you still get to maneuver through the world at the top of the privileged food chain you do Mm -hmm. um and the need for the community in the sense of like the four ladies in Sex and the City and the four friends in Will and Grace, it's lovely that they have that community. It isn't dire that they had, that they needed it. Mm-hmm. And I think there is an un- unwritten truth in the, you know, the friend circle Noah's Ark that it was like, this was dire. Mm-hmm. Like we need each other to make this work. 
and um it is i think it's cultural you know and not just in terms of like gay culture but in black culture you know we are very serious about you know the community ties mm-hmm. um and it's something that i hope you know as we go from millennial to zenial to whatever after that um we don't lose that mm-hmm. um because the strength of that community is what's going to get us from privilege to privilege to right to right to you know to to win to success to success you know like all those things it's like we need to be bonded together to to do that um and i will say um when i hear people say you know it's it's not the most important thing about me i i am one of those people who like to say that hmm. because i can't wait for being gay to be boring right like i cannot make it a personality trait <laughs> me being mm-hmm. gay is not my personality right it is something it is who i have chosen to love how i choose to love because the only choice in it is to be honest or to not right. so i've made a choice to honestly live the life that i you know am you know made to live i've chosen that um but I I do think that um that there's that sometimes it is it's frustrating that talking about your sexuality is used to diminish you mm-hmm. and not used to complete the picture of you. It's right. used to to like put all the focus on one thing instead of go, you know, like I would hate to <laughs> this is a joke. I was just on a cruise in Greece with my with my pianist and we we got off the cruise the last day of the cruise and we had an extra day in Greece in Athens. Hmm. So we were like, "Oh, let's just walk around, enjoy Athens. This is beautiful." We walked around, we ate good food, we drank good wine and just saw the city. And there was this one part where I wanted to turn left and go down this alley. And he looked at me and was like, we're not going down that dark alley right now. Like, we're in Greece. We don't know where we are. What are you doing? I was like, oh, you're right. You're right. We continue to walk. He stops and just bursts out laughing. And I was like, what's so funny? He's like, think of all the things you've achieved. You know, Grammy nominations, Image Award nominations. Um, You know, you've performed on television at, at Carnegie Hall and all this, you know, all these things. He goes, and you get shot or killed down this dark alley in Greece, the headline will be like, gay singer killed. <laughs> I right. was like, I was like, oh my God, that, that would be the heading. And he's like, it's just a shame to think that like, that's what I'll be minimized to. And, mm-hmm. you know, not the other things that, you know, are exciting and splashy, but like, that's the focus. So I, so I do think a lot about the responsibility that we as fans and consumers of people's art and information, we don't put all the focus on those things, mm-hmm. but we can't ignore it. Like, right. I don't want to be ignored. I want to be seen as a full person, but I want to be seen as a full person, not just as the gay shit he does on the side, not just as you know, oh, what a great voice. Like, I want to be a whole human being who like loved people and had feelings about things and was sad sometimes and was really 
kind and funny and you know I want to be all of that um I uh so to bring it back to to Noah's Ark so I used to have a what I call a crush I guess a crush you know we didn't have a crush on tv people so there was one of the characters name is Chance and he was a teacher Mm -hmm. and he had a husband and they had a child together and he was like chocolated and ball-headed and I was like I want to be him I want to be with him like everything about (laughs) him is perfect and wonderful and I remember my best friend being like of all the people like why do you want him why is he the one that you're attracted to and i was like because he's so just normal Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) like he was the most regular in a way but it was so enticing that it was somebody who was not um every time i'd seen somebody queer on like tv or in the media it was like kind of a a pastiche of what queerness is you mm-hmm. know it was like you have to be extra this or extra that and he was just kind of like a dude who didn't seem like he was trying to be straight trying to be anything he was just you know can i have my comfortable shoes and my comfortable sweater and just be regular and go pick up my kid from ballet and i was like i want that and i'm a little bit older and i'm not sure that i can handle that life i feel like i would be like help me <laughs> give me some more excitement but um but yeah like i loved i i loved having having that and it's like even now when you look in the media and billy porter is my mentor and he's not gonna be mad at me for saying this but it's like he has made a choice that like he is a fashion icon he is an event every time he shows up i, I don't want to be an event every time i mm-hmm. show up I do not, I do not want to have to put on a heel and a gown. And every time I I step in the room, because people expect it, I do not want to do that. I do not want to be that. Um, and God bless them for, for being that for some people, because some people need to see that. Um, but I also think that there's like, it was great to have this incredible pick and mix of personalities and, and, and um, representation on the show. So there was somebody for everybody to go, oh, I identify with that. And um, some people were aspirational. Some people were truly a mirror. Um, and some people were like the, this is what can happen if you do that right. <laughs> version of, of who they are. But I mean, it. Th- I mean, this show has kind of colored all of the, the work I've done since it since watching it it, i mean i really am thinking to myself i want to to represent my community this well and with this amount of um excellence Hmm. yeah yeah excellent yeah (laughs) um and so that's what i that's what i really want i really want out of myself and that's what i want when i click on anything that's my hope my fingers are crossed right and uh, you know i think that's one of the most important things about more shows like this happening or just more shows about black gay men and about black gay women and about black trans people and saying queerness, black queerness, um, black queer people are not a monolith. And within each subset, those people are not all the same. And just getting into little character traits, like you were talking about where it's like, not all gay people are, 
you know, putting on a show all the time. Some gay people are boring. Some gay people are dickheads. Some gay people are boring. Right. And Some that's of us are boring down. Right. And I want I want there to be a lot more discussion about us boring gays. Like <laughs> the boring gays, it's a this is our moment. After 2020, this is really the moment for the boring gays. We need to stand up <laughs> and make it clear that we're here, we're queer, we're boring. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what we are. We we want to sit at home. We want to watch Netflix. We eat re- food from chain restaurants. Like I will eat a Carabas, and I do not feel ashamed. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I think that we I think we need to do that. You know I I wear I wear Converse's. You know what I mean? It's it's basic over here. Like I have right. a pair of black Nikes, like the dad ones. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's okay. I think that's okay. Yeah, and like ironically the norm core characters in TV shows are what make it interesting because it means that you have the the depth and breadth of the human experience. You're not just, you know, it's not just one note. It makes me think about watching like reality TV show competitions where people get criticized for like just being on the same level the whole time and, you know, coming in at a hundred and staying there. And you want to see peaks and troughs. You want to see that there's, uh, you know, part of portraying, a group of people realistically is understanding that each person has a personality and they're not all going to be exactly the same. Oh, that's the most exciting thing on, on in the planet is to have, I mean, that's, and I'll go to, you know, sex in the city. That's why it's so nice to have a Charlotte in the same room as a Samantha, mm-hmm. like a prude with like an exhibitionist. Of course, it's going to be interesting conversation right. when you bring up a topic and they both tell their honest opinions of what it is it will be a huge conversation and um i i uh, i have always had like a little like itty bitty fear of clowns like my whole <laughs> life and um, that translated to like a little fear of drag queens like hmm. little fear and there was an episode of noah's ark where the character Alex who's mm-hmm. played by Rodney Chester, like goes into drag and like right. does this big performance. And he was nervous that his husband was going to be like weird about it. And it was the first time I'd ever seen like a drag performer um, portrayed and it wasn't shameful or a joke or embarrassing. Right. And I was like, this is revolutionary because it was really fucking with my own concept of like why i was so scared mm-hmm. and like why i was i mean i will tell you i know why i'm scared because i'm afraid of animatronics as well like i don't know why i love <laughs> disney because i do not like things that look like something they are not it <sighs> freaks me out and this i'm taking a little beer off the course of this conversation because disney messed around and changed the um the river ride for pies of the caribbean at uh. disney world and the Jack Sparrow in there is so realistic that I was like, get me off yeah. of this ride. I want to get off. I had to ride it with my eyes closed. Yeah. It, I was terrified. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I was that. Terrified. Yeah. Un- uncanny Valley where it's like, you know, just about real, it but there's something a little just, off. It was just about real. It looked like he was going to hop off the, I'm like getting freaked out even now as I'm thinking about it because all I could think of is like, what if this is, what if this thing hops off? I just watch too much TV. I think that's what it is too. I watch too many movies and like sci-fi things. I just 
and like freaking Black Mirror really messed me up with the <laughs> yeah. little with the with the robot dogs that was killing that were killing people. Well, funny yes. that you should mention that. Did you see those videos of those? You know, they were doing these trials with robot dogs trying right. to do deliveries. Those videos of them like walking around Manhattan. Ugh. Like seeing that is like I'm kill me. I it's time to die. I can't deal with this. It. I can't stand it. Um, but um, but that episode really helped me to go. Wow, I have really been indoctrinated well mm. to believe that things surrounding my queerness are bad. Right, and I'm like, I gotta stop that. I have got to stop, and I gotta stop it now. And it's been a long process. I'm I'm doing I'm doing okay, but it's been about. 20 years um so well i mean 15 but i but i i really appreciate um the show and i appreciate patrick ian polk Mm -hmm. for creating something that was gonna not just it wasn't just like hey white people figure your stuff out it was like hey black people us too right um and you know, I, I say this to a lot of people now that, you know, especially when it comes to issues of of like race and, you know, gender and equity and that sort of thing. I'm very focused on black people. Mm-hmm. Like my energy is going toward towards us. I, I want um us to um to rise together to really support one another. Um and my expectation is because I'm doing that within my community. I'm looking at every white person I know. I'm looking at every Latinx person I know, every straight person I know. And I go within those communities, y'all need to be making that, doing that work because I'm not asking you to do anything that I don't think is fair for me to do. Right. And I'm doing it. And if you're not doing it, we're going to have a problem. Right. We're going to have a problem. Yeah. Did, did you watch the, uh, the reunion episode? Did I? <laughs> did I? <laughs> Watched it and then got mad, hmm. literally mad, because I was like, "How come I couldn't be Alex's brother?" Because um, Titus Burgess yeah. was it, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Well, of course, like Titus is Titus; he's incredible." But I got very jealous. I was like, "How?" I'm like, it came back, and I I wasn't in it. Yeah, as if I was auditioning or something. I didn't. <laughs> I had no idea. Like, I just knew that it came out, and I was happy. Yeah, that um, that little moment of. Uh him singing uh the feeling that we once had from the yes. whiz as well it's just I like, was like here we come go come on like y'all are really showing out right now yeah yeah and wanda sykes as well just yes i, I mean and then like the idea of just being at like I, covid really gave the creative people an opportunity to be like let me just shine for a little bit mm-hmm. you know there were so many moments of like brilliance and that to me was like a tree topper moment, like black angel right, <laughs> on top right. of the Christmas tree. It was such a shiny moment where I was like, oh yeah, we missed the show. We really miss it. And yeah. Yeah. If they decided to bring it on back, I think we will watch it child. Yeah. So yeah. Anyone and- listening on the podcast, we might have to start a, a little, um, what, what do they do? They start the, the little campaigns to try to get shows to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. do a, we can do a Kickstarter for them. Do a Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just the last thing I was going to say, just to uh, bring this back to what you were saying about people who are not black doing the work to support black people. Um, I loved that the reunion episode finishes on the uh, protests from the summer 
And that, again, it's an episode that has so much funny stuff. There's so much like light and love and um, entertainment, but really at the end saying this is still happening. Black people are being killed by police, black people who are doing you know, absolutely nothing wrong. And then also just in the broader culture, making sure that not just making sure that police are held to account, but that everybody is held to account and that racist behavior and profiling in shops and all those kinds of things, it all comes down to the same thing, which is being an ally and not in a passive way, but in an active way, actually in doing something way. about it. Yes. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was a, a really brilliant, really important way to finish this reunion episode to like have that be the culmination of all of this stuff and, you know, potentially the entire series, if nothing else happens with it. It's crazy because I think a lot of times people will make it seem like it's a very brave thing to do. Mm. Um, and for and yes, there's some truth. It is it is brave, but also it just is it's right. Mm -hmm. it, you know what I mean? It's just right. And um, Patrick is so in, entrenched in these like black and brown streets when it comes to the creating the work he creates. You know, with Noah's Ark, and he writes on the shy and mm -hmm. Valley, and you know, being Mary Jane, which was another show that was a cultural reset. Right. Um, so I, my expectation of him is that this is what he would do. And he did not let me down, not even one bit. And um, I want to give him his flowers now by just saying he is so integral in the American story of television and the culture around television being a, a, a tool for cultural growth and change and education and edutainment. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that he's done so much edutaining through the years. And I don't think he, it was his intention to be a teacher, but um, through him just sharing the truth of his art and the, the magnitude of his experience with us, he has done something um, that I know probably preachers and politicians and, you know, folks in the classroom have been trying to do for forever. And, and he did it in a, in a really delicious way. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful for him and for his work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that is a lovely note on which to finish. Thank you so much for this. This has been a true joy. Um, su such a pleasure. Oh my goodness. I am so glad that you reached out to me and that we got to talk about one of my favorite things on the planet. Just a cultural moment. Yeah. Like, this was a cultural reset. Yes. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did too. Um, so thank you so much again. It was really great talking to you. Thank you. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye. What an utter delight. Thanks again to Michael for being so generous with his time and for the truly lovely conversation. Michael's latest single, The Man in the Barbershop, is out now. You should listen to it and to all of Michael's music because his voice is insane. So amazing. Okay, uh, no spark from me this week. Disappointing, right? Well, here's the deal. It's Thanksgiving tomorrow in the States and... 
I think we should all just turn our brains off for a couple of days and uh, not overload ourselves with content. All right? Just take a little time to relax and be present with your loved ones. At least that's what I'm going to do. Okay? Great. Uh, I will be back for more on Monday, and I promise I'll have a great recommendation for you then. But in the meantime, have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're celebrating. Have a great normal Thursday if you're not. And until next time, bye.